Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. And once again, we are privileged to have a guest teacher here on Walking with Jesus. Our new pastoral intern, Mike Telercio, is going to be bringing us a devotional on 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So here he is. Take it away, Mike. Good morning, morning, brothers brothers and sisters. sisters. I am thankful thankful to be able to share with you from God's Word. But let's begin by praying. Father, thank you that we have this time together. We pray that you would bless it, that you would change us as a result of our time spent thinking about you from 1 Corinthians 9. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, have you ever told somebody, I told you so? What kind of impact did that have on that person? Was it good and helpful for them to grow, having obviously just learned the lesson that you already knew in advance and told them about beforehand? Or was it more problematic? Did it perhaps distract them from learning that lesson themselves? That's a question for us to think about as we open today's passage in 1 Corinthians, because Paul is going to deliberately forego a number of things in this morning's text, and one thing in particular, in order to bless the Corinthians and others with a deeper knowledge of God and his gospel. And we'll see what that is as we jump into the passage. But a thought for us to consider is what might God be calling us in this moment, in this season of life, to forgo in order to bless others in our lives? Let's hold that in our minds, that question, as we look at God's word. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. Paul writes, Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife, as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake, because the plowman should plow in hope, and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. But I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. For I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. 
for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Well, there's a lot that could be said about 1 Corinthians chapter 9. But in brief, I think it would help for us to bear in mind that Paul is writing this letter to believers who are prone to seeking success in all of the ways that the world defines success. And so he's writing to Christians who want leaders who are articulate and well thought of in society and eloquent. And Paul is very deliberately, as he is amongst the Corinthians, not these things. He is, as he wrote in chapter 2, with them in weakness and fear and much trembling. See, because Paul knows that in order for the Corinthians to really understand the gospel, he can't get in the way. He can't let the Corinthians think that if they support him financially, that they are in some way buying salvation from God. But he can't, he can't let them, on the other end, he can't let them think that they have no obligation as a result of God's love for them and provision for them to support God's people. And so that's why he begins the chapter as he does in verse 9. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? See, Paul is reminding the Corinthians that he is an apostle. And as such, he deserves their respect. Because again, he's not the kind of leader that they naturally want. And in fact, he says at the end of verse 1 that he is essentially the one that they should respect the most out of all the apostles. He's the apostle who founded the church in Corinth. Verse 1, the last sentence of verse 1, Are you not my workmanship in the Lord? And then he continues, If to others I'm not an apostle, at least I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. See, Paul is reminding the Corinthians that they ought to respect him. And that kind of respect ought to continue and it ought to bear fruit. And so that's why he says what he does in verses 3 and following, where in particular he begins to make this case that he should be provided for in the way that the other apostles have been provided for. 
He and Barnabas with him ought not to have to work for a living in addition to serving the community of Corinth when they're with them. They shouldn't have to do two full-time jobs in order to eat and drink and have somewhere to stay. The Corinthians ought to be willing to provide for Paul and Barnabas in the way that they have for the other apostles. And not just the other apostles, but as verse 5 mentions, the apostles and their wives. And, and Paul continues in verse 7 and, and a couple of sentences in verse 7 to say in different ways that the laborer deserves his wages, right? That's, that's why he says in the first sentence that a soldier never serves the implication there. He's implying that a soldier never serves at his own expense. Or somebody who plants a vineyard eats from the fruit of the vineyard and somebody who tends a flock drinks some of the milk of the flock because this is just naturally how human laborers live. They, they share in the, the, the yield of their labors. Um, verse 8, Paul continues his case and makes it even more clear. He says these things not merely by way of looking around the examples in life and, hey, you know, a farmer, he's going to eat some grapes when he farms. And, uh, he's not just looking around at human examples. It's not just human authority that he's making these statements on. It's God's word. It's the law. Verse 9, Paul says, In the law of Moses it's written that you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. And he goes on to explain that that law wasn't written really just for oxen. It was written for the people who are ministers of God, of Yahweh. And in the Old Testament, those were the priests and the Levites. In the New Testament, as he makes clear in verses 13 and 14, it's those who are uh, laborers and proclaimers of the gospel, right? So verses 13 and 14 are kind of a direct, con directly connect to what he was just saying in verses 9 and 10 um, with, with some extra, uh, extra argumentation there in verses 11 and 12. But um, for the sake of time, Paul is just making it very clear that if you are a gospel minister, you deserve to be supported by the community whom you are ministering to. That's a given, Paul says. And so it ought to be the case that the Corinthians want to support Paul. But again, Paul isn't very flashy. He's not the kind of minister, the kind of speaker, the kind of teacher or leader that the Corinthians would naturally want. So Paul, in order to help them understand the gospel, he's got to call them out for this. And he's got to say, if there's any apostle that you ought to be supporting, it's me. I'm the guy who God used to found this church. And, and you're not supporting me. Now, I, I'm, Paul is saying, I'm making it clear that you ought to understand this, essentially. That's why he's speaking as such. But the, the kicker in this passage is what Paul does next, what he says next. After he makes it very clear and plain to the Corinthians that they ought to be supporting him, he says, I have made no use of this right to be supported by you. I and Barnabas, we, verse 12b, we endure anything. We would rather endure anything than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. See, Paul is going to say here, what he's implying is that he doesn't want the Corinthians to think that just because they owe him this provision, that he is coming into town to get them to support him. He is not preaching the gospel for their support. And because they're given to supporting people that they think are uh, worthwhile and leaders in this system, they have this system of uh, 
in, in, in that time, they had this system of uh, patronage where the, the individuals in the society would support the leaders in the community in order to uh, gain success along with the leader. So if the leader did a good job of teaching and becoming famous, then the supporter, the patron, would, would as well. They would be successful as well. They would be attached to that leader. Paul doesn't want... Paul not only doesn't want the Corinthians to think that he is laboring among them so that he can receive their uh, provisions, but he also doesn't want them to buy into this system of patronage either, so that even if they were supporting him, they wouldn't be supporting him for the wrong reason. Paul is really trying to get them to understand that he wants them to know the gospel. He is laboring among them so that they would know Christ, that they would know Christ and him crucified, not so that... Paul could become successful or so that the Corinthians could become successful in the world's eyes. He wants them to know Jesus Christ. And so he's making this he's making this statement about what he himself is doing, he and Barnabas are doing, in order for them to understand the gospel. Verse 15, I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision, for I would rather die than have someone deprive me of my ground for boasting. Paul, in verse 16, makes it clear he's preaching the gospel. And what he wants the gospel to do is produce fruit in the Corinthians. He doesn't want fruit from them so that he can eat it. He wants them to bear fruit. He wants more and more people to bear fruit. So he's getting out of the way. He's not the guy who's going to He's going to make the statement later that where, where he where he could say something to somebody and he could say, like I mentioned earlier, I told you so. He's the kind of guy who would refrain from making unnecessary comments and saying unnecessary things in order for his for the people of God to grow. And as I think about it, one one application for myself as I relate to my children is, you know, for my kids as I raise them. Is, is to forgo those occasions where I could uh, where I could be very heavy-handed with them. Uh, I have a right I have a right to discipline them when they disobey me. but maybe there's occasions where I need to hold off on saying something that that might be a little more harsh to my children in order in order to try to help them understand the gospel where they really need to and how they need to in that moment. That's an application that stands out to me at this moment. And there's many other applications, and there's more in the text that we didn't quite get to. Uh, we could have talked a little bit more about how Paul goes out of his way to contextualize the gospel, but really, that hopefully that's that's somewhat clear here from the from the overarching point being made that that Paul is doing whatever he can to help the Corinthians understand the gospel. He's willing to give up his rights in the process, and by God's grace, we'll learn to do the same in his timing. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for this opportunity that we have had, O oh Lord, to know you and to know you through this time in your word. I pray that we would be the kind of people who desire to lay aside our rights for the sake of helping others to know the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for taking some time out to consider the word of God here with me today. I pray that you would be blessed as you go about your day by God's word.